In case you don't know, anybody don't know who these people are? This is um, Susan and Kevin Snavely. Yes. And I'll just tell you, these are not the most comfortable chairs in the whole wide world. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure them out here. Um, they have been with us, I guess, since the beginning, haven't you? Since the very first Sunday, very first service in Branson. And uh, they have been a joy and a blessing to us. Don't you think so? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I know uh, just recently I got this testimony. And um, Susan probably doesn't even know about it. But this lady, I think it was a lady, wrote in and she said, um, you know, there's a lady that, that sings sometime. And um, she said she sang on this specific day. And I didn't even have to look at what the day was. But she said every time she's up there, she is just always so happy. And you can just feel her joy coming out throughout the whole crowd, you know. And I didn't have to go back and look at see who the date was. But I did just to make sure I was right. And Dave says, yeah, it was Susan. And uh, so, but don't you feel it? Don't you feel it? Well, since the very beginning, you know, they have helped us with the music. But most people don't know what all else they've done to help us. And uh, they've helped me with youth since when we started the youth they helped me with youth you know and when I left they continued to help with the youth and so uh, they've had a lot of experience um, helping in the youth and so I thought you know we started some things along the youth and children's line and so I didn't feel like we finished that did y'all feel like we got totally done with that and so how many of you thought we talked about kids but you got help in other areas the night that we did this How many of you thought that? So don't lose hope. I think there'll be help. Let's see if we can get comfortable in these chairs here. Are y'all comfortable? I'm not comfortable at all. So let's see. Can we get some comfortable in these chairs here? Pull it up a little bit. Okay. And um, see uh, if we can get some more going about uh, our youth, our families. But not only that, a lot of it applies to our marriages. A lot of it applies to our homes. And so uh, we'll just see what comes out. Will y'all believe with us on it? Yes. Because um, I've, I, when Keith, in case you're wondering where Keith is, he did faith school again this week. And was, it, who, was there anybody in there? It was just phenomenal, wasn't it? I mean, I'm telling you what, there's just such an anointing on it for him to do that. And there's just so much in him about there. that, And there's not just, to me, I'm a little prejudiced, but there's not a lot of people that know faith like Keith Moore knows faith. I mean, and it's, it's like you turn on a faucet and you can't turn it off, you know. And uh, he's got so much in him about it. And we have been... A lot more privileged than a lot of people that we have had all the word from Brother Hagen and all the word from Brother Kenneth, and, and we've just been smashed right in the middle of the Oreo cookie. You know, yeah. we, we are so blessed. And so I think he needs to get some of it down on, on um, so the world can hear it. So uh, I told him that uh, we, well, he told me we would do this tonight. <laughs> and I said, okay, we will. Yeah. And so uh, here we are. So we'll get right into it. And they have no clue, just as the other guys had no clue. I love putting people on the spot. Um, They have no clue. And I've got some other guys that may come up here in a minute. And uh, But nobody ever has a clue about what we're going to do. So um, y'all just be believing with us. You know, because you don't want to, to me, in these situations, you don't want to just sit down and have a conversation about everything that you're going to share. Because then if you do that, it's not really the Lord leading you about everything that's going to happen. You know, it's about you laid out a line upon line thing and you figured out everything that was going to be said. I would rather that they would really just talk from their heart when they're up here and that you guys hear what's on their heart when they're up here. They have enough in them. This is the way we've always done it in youth. We never prepare any line upon line thing that when we're in youth. We would come in there and we'd say, guys, what do you have on your hearts tonight? Rob and Carrie help me in youth a lot. There's just several ones. And before this is all said and done, who knows who's going to end up being up here. But we would go into the youth class and we'd make them be in a circle and stuff. And we'd say, what do you have on your heart tonight? And a lot of people would be really intimidated by that because they'd say, there's no telling what they're going to bring up, you know, and there's not. You know, they could bring up anything, and they did bring up anything. And uh, But you, you can't be afraid of that because nobody knows the whole Bible. 
And if you think you do, you lied. Because you don't. There's nobody. Paul says, I know in part. And so all we do is when we're in there, we say, we don't know. But we do know something that does know it. And so let's, let's get our concordances out. And we would make them go. And we had just huge amounts of concordances and huge amounts of Bibles. And we would say, let's find it in the Word. And if we didn't know anything about it, we'd break up into groups. And we'd spend 30 minutes looking up scriptures on it and seeing what we could find out about it. And then we'd come together and we'd talk about it. Instead of just giving our opinions on it. Because, you know, our opinion is what you paid for it. Nothing. It doesn't mean anything. So we don't like doing that sort of thing. So the most important thing that is of value in people's lives is what the Lord said. So tonight I want us to kind of go back into youth and children's lives just a little bit and say some of the things that we have seen over the 17 years with youth and children's and things like that. We may talk more about youth than we do children's than Tom did. And so uh, I think it'll help some of you. One of the first things that I want to remind you guys of, and, and I'm not going to read you a bunch of scriptures because I don't think that's what this is about, but I think you'll get a kick out of this one because you know me. I, I'm kind of that way. Proverbs 22.6. Everybody knows this scripture. Train up a child. Put it up there on the, on the thing. Look at the, look at the board. Kev, come push my chair up just a little bit. I can't. And then I lost my pillow. Uh, it can this with this carpet and this chair and this stool and this. See, it don't push so good, does it? No, it was against this. Corner. It's against the corner over here. Yeah. Let's let's try it again. Okay. I'm so short. Keith says, "Feel you're not short," but I am. I'm short. Now then, there we go. And put my feet up underneath here. No, I don't even. No, well, maybe. Now I get situated. and I'll preach better. No, that's too much. All right. There we go. All right. Yeah, that's a lot better. Good. Okay. Are you comfortable? I'm great. All right. Are you sure? Are you comfortable? Yeah. Are you all comfortable? Yes. Adjust your chairs. All right. Get you a blanket. Whatever you need to do. Take you a drink of water. Whatever. No. Um, Train up a child. Train up a child. Read that with me. Train up a child. In the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Now, there's been so much confusion about that because people constantly say, well, we did, we trained up our children and they departed. And you just want to look people in the eye and say, so God lied. But God didn't lie. I think people have just misunderstood this verse. Now, I'm going to just be a little funny with you right now. And um, I'm not going to call your kids dogs. But I don't know a better way to explain it to you than this. Okay? Right now, in this moment. I think it will be a pretty good illustration for you. I have two little dogs, as you know. I wish I had the pictures. I could put them on the screen. If somebody will come get my phone sometime, we will. Um... They're as cute as they can be, all right? But what does it say you're supposed to do with a dog? It is, I've looked it up, it is the exact same word. Train, train. Train, train. Train, train. Train, train. How do you train a dog? And I'm not calling your kids dogs. I'm just using the same word. But how do you train a dog? Repetition. Repetition. I know my two little dogs. Okay? I feed them, and as soon as I feed them, they run to the door because they know they have to go to the bathroom before they get their treat. They will not get a treat unless they go outside and go to the bathroom. And I mean, where's Jordan? Is she in children's? Yeah. I mean, as soon as they get their treat, they make a beeline scratching for the door to go out because they know they're not getting that treat. And then as soon as they get their treat, they run back up and jump on the stool and they go like this. 
Now, why would that be? Because they have been trained to do that. We have done it that way every single time since they've been a little puppy. And they're seven years old now. Now, but the problem with children is what? Zero repetition. We go to church one day. We say that we're going to do this one time. We say we're going to do it this way this time. We say, no, you can't have that. Well, like I do my little dogs, no, you can't have a treat right now. And I sneak over here and I get them another one. Do you see what I'm saying? And so they come away with this idea that if I push hard enough, they're going to get that treat. And it's the same way, and I don't, again, I'm not calling your kids dogs. I just want you to understand that it's the repetition that makes the consistency in their lives when they're little. It's got to be someone that's strong enough to keep saying we're doing it exactly this way every single time. We get up, we do this, we get up, we do this, we get up, we do this, we get up, we do this every single time. And so by the time then that a child gets to be a certain age, then they should see some consistency in their lives. There should be a consistent pattern in their lives with things that's going on. Here's a a verse that I don't think a lot of people understand. Let me see if I have it right here. Uh, I've kind of got them all jumbled up because that's the way I I figured this would go. Um, Let's see. Right here. Ephesians 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, how can you exasperate your children? By changing stuff all the time. One time you do it this way, one time you do it that way. And so they're confused. They don't know what the consistent pattern is. They don't know if you say no and then you change it, is it going to be a no this time or is it going to be a yes this time? That can frustrate them. The other, Colossians says it the same thing. Um, uh, Don't embitter your children. Or provoke your children. We don't want to do that. uh, Because if we do that, then they grow up confused. And that's the way we got a lot of kids in youth. I'm going to say kind of like, I don't know, uh, uh, maybe a better way to put it. Goldilocks and the three bears. We had kids that were brought up so religious that everything that they answered you, they could quote 15 scriptures to answer it still that way today, correct? No matter what you said to them, they can quote you 25 scriptures to counteract anything that anybody else is saying. Then you've got kids on the other side that are so far the other end of the spectrum that They don't know anything about the Bible. They are like I was. They couldn't find a scripture if you needed them to find a scripture, and they're quite embarrassed by that. Then you've got the ones that are kind of in the middle of the road, that their parents brought them up in church, but they told them they were supposed to go to church. And again, that exasperation thing where it was do as I say, not as I do. And if I had to pick one of the three, I would say the one in the middle was the worst. Would you guys say that? I agree. Mm -hmm. In the ones that we've dealt with in youth. Now, I'm going to read you something, um, and I think it will bless you. Then I'm going to ask them some questions, okay? I think you'll see what I'm talking about here. And then we'll talk about some things. Let's see here. This is from Brother Hagen's book, Growing Up Spiritually. How many of you have ever read that book? If you've never read it and thought about your kids, I think it would be really, really, really a good thing to read. Okay? This is um, talking about um, 
It says, love compared, divine and natural human love. It says, this love that we're talking about is divine love, not natural human love. We hear a lot today about natural human love, but there is simply no love in this old world like the love of God. Natural human love is selfish. I've heard people say, a mother's love is akin to the love of God. How many of you have ever heard that? I thought that at one time also, but it isn't so. As a usual thing, a mother's love is natural human love. And as a usual thing, it is selfish. That's my baby. Now, Brother Hagin's writing this. I'm just reading and he's dead, so you can't fuss at him. That's right. When you get to heaven, bring it up. He, sa- she, th- this, he goes on. Oh, I love my children. I love them. A woman came crying to me saying, I want you to pray for them. I brought them up right here in this church, and I don't understand. Not a one of them will come except my girl. One of her daughters played the piano, and she was the only one that came, in fact. One of the boys had just run away from home. She said, there isn't anyone in this church that loved their children any more than I do. I said, sister, there has to be a reason. I'm a stranger here, just an evangelist. But I can see this poor girl here on the piano bench. You've smothered her with your love. And I'll guarantee you the reason the rest of them ran off is because you wouldn't let them out from under your coattail. You wanted to run their lives entirely. I'd look at the little girl at the piano, and she'd duck her head. She didn't even know how to act. I dare say your daughter has never even had a boyfriend in her life. Or a girlfriend either. Well, no, she said. I just always kept her at home. I thought it was better for her. I thought I could raise her up better than anyone in the world could. I said, now I didn't write this again, you know, he's in heaven. I said, no, you couldn't. He said, her personality is twisted. That was a natural human love, a mother's love, but it was selfish She didn't have her child's interest at heart. She had her own interest at heart. Read the book for yourself. Okay. Reading that, working with youth for 17 years, do you believe that? I do. Absolutely. Tell me some examples. Go ahead. Well, just recently, um, I've been talking to one of our girls that just graduated and she came up in youth she's a good girl she's been raised in church um but at this time in her life when she should be um going out into the world to do what god's called her to do um her parents want her to stay at home and do these other things um and i've just you know it comes a point in your in your children's life where you have to trust god in them you have to trust all that training, all that, you know, that it, that they're going to make it. You know, I think sometimes parents just get in a lot of fear. Um, and they sometimes they may not even realize it, you know. But but if you're trying to hold on, you know, um, that's fear. It's fear. And as Christians, we're supposed to be like God. And God does not hover over us mm-hmm. to make sure we're doing this right, making sure we're wearing the red dress today, making sure we're eating the cornflakes today. He lets us go. He put his spirit in us, and then he trusts us that we're going to make it. And any little, when we make mistakes, he doesn't kick us out of the house. He doesn't say, oh, you blew it, you got to come back. I'm sorry, you, you messed up. He just keeps on giving us chances. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes... When parents reach that, because you need to be letting go a little bit. Not, don't wait till they're 18. 
you know, when they hit youth, they need to be making some decisions. You need to be letting them. And, and if you're training them all along the way, then they'll be so much more ready to, to do now, it. Now, we have seen those that have been ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and they've gone out. You, you've got some examples? I'm totally blank. That's okay. <laughs> if you had something else on but, your heart, go yes. ahead. No, I just, I agree with, I think a lot of times that, um, you know, we, we just get used to our comfort. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a parent or a child, and we just, and every part of life is a different stage and a new adventure, and you know that's always, that's not what you know, but that's how faith works. That's we how don't faith know. Works. We don't know. And faith, that's where faith kicks in. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that verse, because I know that I use that verse for our kids, you know, and uh, but I believe that verse is true. Exactly. And I refuse to go any other way. And But I don't think, I think people think that it means that they go straight from 18 into life and they never mista- never make a mistake. They don't wonder about God. They don't understand. And I remember one thing that you helped us to see in just helping with youth is that um, they have to find God for themselves. Amen. They know God through us because they've seen it. If we've been good parents and... You know, every good parent loves their kids. Yeah, they want their kids to do better. And so we do our best to be the example that we should be. But, you know, if we'll take a minute at our older ages and look back and realize we made some mistakes, mm-hmm. but God was there. And these tell, kids... Tell about that just a minute, Kevin. Mistakes. You know, people... Um, and I don't want to put y'all on the spot, but... Oh, that's um, okay. Uh, y'all, uh, y'all have never been embarrassed by it. Everybody knows your kids and stuff. And uh, uh, y'all have had some testing trials of your own. Yes. So for the parents out there that have had some testing trials, tell yes. a little bit about your raising of your kids and the testing trials that you guys have had. It might help some of the people out there so they don't just think we're up here talking with somebody that's never had to yeah. overcome anything. Right. Explain a little bit to them. Well, you know, I, we were both raised up in church. And from godly families, and and that was important. And we were able to stay with it. We made some mistakes. We didn't do everything right. And so when we got when our kids were born, we just were still involved in church. We music and youth and everything, and they were with us. You know, they just were with us all the time. And so they had a good grounding. You know, and they were good kids. But man, at 18. We saw what different kids. What is going on? And, uh, you know, we went through some stuff. And you, you've got to really watch what you allow your head to think at those moments. That's when I really started grabbing that scripture. Train up a child, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. Old is, that means it's in them that no matter what comes up, that's in there. Amen. Whether you're 18, whether you're 30, or whether you're 40 like our son is, you know. It's still in there. And um, we went through some things, and there was one thing um, when the church first started. We grew up in Springfield area and Branson area, so we've been in Branson. We've known about Branson our whole lives. And, of course, then it became the music place, you know, big hair and country bands and everything. Not really our style, but um, nonetheless, the church starts there. And so... Our kids, we sang on a praise team, so on Sundays, our kids would come. Two reasons. Number one, they get fed by dad and mom. I mean, we take them out to eat. For free. For free. And uh, the second reason was kind of jab at us. Just have fun because we're singing on a stage in Branson. One thing we just really never wanted to do in our own selves. And they're like, Mom, your hair's getting bigger even as yeah, we You know, all those fun things. <laughs> And there was a Sunday. You tell this part. Yeah, one day they came. I think it actually was the very first time they had come uh, to Branson. And I was up there singing, but in my head and my heart I was worrying. Because they were in their 20s now, partying, doing crazy stuff, you know, that you don't think you're ever, your perfect ever child will ever, ever do. You know, and so, so I'm just standing up there singing faith, songs of faith. <laughs> While in my head, I'm freaking out. And I'm like, Lord, let them come forward. Let them come rededicate their lives today. Just let them come forward. You know, so the whole praise for four songs or whatever it was, 
you know, I'm just like begging God. There is no faith in it. I was begging God. And he, at that moment, he spoke to my heart and he said, their hearts are for me. I was like, you could have knocked me over. Because I'm like, God doesn't see anything they're doing. He's not looking at the partying. He's not looking at the drugs. He's not looking at the alcohol. He's not looking at the sex. He's looking at their hearts. And that changed the way, because we, you know, I had been trying to change them. And I I noticed that that was running them away. And because, you know, by in their 20s, they know better. And they don't want to hear your scripture. Because they know it already. You know, and so the Lord helped us to quit talking and start praying. I'm going to read something while they're talking about that. And I think it'll help you guys to see something. Let's see, another thing of Brother Hagen's that you'll just love, love, love. <laughs> Let's see if I can find it here. Um, it goes right along with what Susan is saying here. And um, I, she didn't have a clue what I had planned to read tonight, if I can get it open here. Um, surrounding a teenager with faith and love. Um, it says, what, are you have, what do you have going in your life? What you say. Who said that? Jesus said it. Is it true? Do you suppose Jesus really knew what he was talking about? I believe he told the truth, don't you? Well, if Jesus told the truth, I'd better check up on what I'm saying. Especially if I'm not satisfied with what I have. And I'm not talking about being healed. At a full gospel businessman's... Full gospel businessman. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh-huh. That one. Uh-huh. In a city, in a large city, a woman came up to me um, after one of the afternoon teaching sessions, and she said, Brother Hagen, I want you to promise me something. I replied, well, I want to find out what it is first. She said, I want you to promise me that you will pray for my son. He's 15 years old, and I'm a widow. And I can't do a thing in the world with him. I can't get him to go to church. He's in with a gang. I'm afraid they're all on drugs. He's out until 3 and 4 in the clock in the morning doing no telling what. I lie awake at night waiting for the phone to ring telling me that he's gotten into trouble and he's in jail. I interrupted her before she could tell me one more bad thing about her son. And I said to her, I'm not going to do it. That shocked her. You're not? No, ma'am. I'm not. I won't promise you I will pray for him at all. Well, she said. You see, I continued. In the first place, it wouldn't do any good because you'd just nullify the effects of my prayers by your wrong believing and your wrong talking. No matter how many people pray, as long as you keep telling your son that he'll never amount to anything and he'll wind up in the reform school or in the penitentiary, he will never make it. Her eyes got so big. How do you know that's what I was saying about him or that's how I was talking about him? I said, because to be in the mess he's in, you had to be talking that way about him. We're the products of words. Children are the products of words. I'm mm-hmm. going to add a sentence in here. Your marriage is a product yes. of your right. words. Yes. Words will make a boy love education. Words will make a boy want to go to church or will want to keep him out of church. What should I do? The woman asked. In the first place, since you've done this for so long, and because he's old, and it's, and it's time to just leave him alone, he resents you. Mm-hmm. And he resents you talking to him and trying to tell him anything. Just leave him alone. Don't tell him anything. Yeah. Don't preach to him. Mm-hmm. Don't nag at him. Don't remind him. Now, for the second thing, I went on, change your thinking. And change your talking. At home, even when you don't know where your son is, say, I surround my son with faith. And you've been surrounding him with doubt. 
Now surround him with faith and say, even if your heart doesn't believe it when you say it, say it out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. And once it registers on your heart, you'll start believing it. I don't believe he's going to reform school. I don't believe he's going to the penitentiary. I believe he's coming to God. Mm -hmm. I believe blank and the state and then state what you believe. Well, she said, I'll try it. He said, it won't work. It won't work if you try it. But it will work if you do it. Jesus said we will. Jesus didn't say we would have whatever we tried. He said we would have whatever we said. That convention was in August. The full gospel businessmen had another convention in that city the next year in October, 14 months later, and I returned to speak again. After the afternoon service, a woman came up to me and said, Brother Hagen, do you remember me? No, I said. I meet so many people, I don't remember you. Oh, she said, remember when you were here in August a year ago and I asked you to pray for my boy and you shocked me by saying you wouldn't? The woman continued, I want to tell you one thing. What you told me works. Now, it didn't look like it was going to work. My son actually got worse, really worse. And and I kept my mouth shut. And it was the hardest thing I ever did. But I kept saying it every day. I said it every night. I said, I surround him with faith and love. I believe he's coming to God. I believe things are going to work out right in his life. I believe he's not going to a reform school. My head said that's where he was going because of all the bunch he was running around with, and I'd say it with my heart. He's not going to the reform school, and I don't believe he'll wind up in a penitentiary. She continued and went along that for nearly a year. Then one Sunday morning, after he'd been out nearly all night long, he got up. Ordinarily, he'd sleep in, but he got up and he came to the breakfast table, and while they were eating, he said, Mama, I believe I'll go to Sunday school with you this morning. She said, I just acted nonchalantly and said, Now, son, you were up awfully late last night. You probably just need your rest. Before, she'd been nagging him to go. He said, No, I want to go. Well, she said, It's up to you. But you only had a few hours of sleep. I want to go, he said, and he went to Sunday school and he stayed for church. Well, the very next Sunday morning, the mother told me he was up till 4 o'clock in the morning again. Did you hear what she said? And she said, son, he came to the breakfast table and he said, mom, I want to go to Sunday school with you again this morning. And she said, now, son. You were out really late again last night. You need your rest, you know. Well, yes, he said, but I can go, and I'm going. Her son went to Sunday school and stayed for church. And that evening, he said, I believe I'll go back with you to church tonight. (laughs) When the invitation was given at the end of the service, the young man went to the altar and was saved. Since then, she told me, he's been filled with the Spirit, just like... All the devil was out of him, and now he's all out for God. He's on fire for God, and I believe he's going to turn into a preacher. I'll just tell you, he's like a brand new boy. I've got a brand new boy, she says. Thank you, she said. At first, I almost got my feelings hurt that you were so blunt with me, but then I saw it, and I corrected myself, and I said, Thank you, Lord, I've got a brand new son. You know... She added, I'll tell you something else. He's got a brand new mama. Mm -hmm. The woman was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and was attending a full gospel church. And she said she changed her words. She said, I can almost pinch myself and say, is this really me? I used to worry, 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 Mm -hmm. worry, worry, worry. I don't worry anymore. Not only that, she continued, but I feel so good physically. I feel like a young girl. I've won some vim, vigor, and vitality. (laughs) She said, it works serving the Lord. You can have whatever you say, and it will save your family. That's the truth. It's true. Yeah, that's the truth. That's what works. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what works. We've had some kids. Now, they can tell you this coming to youth. Over the years, 
they were messed up. As a matter of fact, I remember one right now that would come in there. Now, I'm going to tell you about three different ones, and they'll know exactly who I'm talking about as I tell. This one child, the parents rode him continuously and told him, you have a call on your life. The parents, the grandparents, you have a call on your life. You're called to the ministry. You have a call on your life. You need to get this. You have a call on your life. Everybody around him kept telling him that. We would try to encourage him. No, just wait. See what God has called you to. It's not good to, to tell your kids what God has called them to. Right. right. No. They put so much pressure on this young man that I'll let you guys finish the story because I know y'all know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. What happened to him? He just ran completely the other way. And what happened? He, he got on drugs. Yeah. He got a girl pregnant. Mm-hmm. Wait, won't even go to church now. Right. Yeah. Because they put so much pressure on him that he was going to be in the ministry. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't doubt that probably he could have been in the ministry. Do you guys doubt right. that? No. no. But he had so much pressure on him that instead of going to college, he was supposed to go directly into the ministry. But you can't call your children to the ministry. Right. Right. You can't put that call on them. Mm-hmm. They have to find out about that themselves. Yes. And they may go, like, uh, pardon my whatever this is, they may go hog wild for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they may come back in. You remember Jerry Savelle talking about, you know, he went off. But look at where he wound up. You remember Brother Copeland. He went off. But you remember where his mom prayed for him and he came back in. You know, you remember Jesse Duplantis. He went off. His mama prayed for him. He came back in. If you keep the pressure so tight on them, they are going to run. That's true. And, and it, we're better off letting God deal with them than we are keeping the pressure so tight on them that mm-hmm. they, they just feel like they're in a vice. Right. You know? And then we had this other young man that he'd come. He's supposed to be leading music. And if he's watching, <laughs> he'll know I'm talking about him. And, I, you know, he knows I love him. I just saw him yesterday or day before. And he'd come in there and he'd be high as a kite. Doing drugs, high as a kite. And they'd say, aren't you going to pull him? I'd say, nope. Get up there. you got a job to do. If I'm sick, I go to church. There's something wrong with me, and i got a job. i got a job to do. Get up there. Do your job. Yeah. He got up there every week. Yeah. He'd do it. Did his job. He left us. He stayed in the ministry, leading praise and worship at a church. Quit doing drugs. Married a young girl. Mm-hmm. Different thing. You have a place in people's life. The biggest call that we have on our life, they saw it, I saw it. How many times did we see kids come in and hand us drugs? Put them in our hands. I'm going to let you all tell about the other one that used to lie all the time here in just a second. Yeah. And then we'll go on <laughs> to some other stuff. Um The biggest call that we have on our lives as parents and leaders, it says, let's see, I've got this verse written down in Titus 2. You should read Titus sometime. Let the older teach the younger. You know, to me, the biggest part of that is to believe in them. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You must believe in them. You can... You, you saying negative things about them, they will live up to your negativity. Mm-hmm. So you true. say positive things about them, they will live up to what you believe about them. Mm-hmm. And tell them about the one. Well, she, um, she would come and came in youth at 13 and just everything she said was a lie. I mean, she would tell testimony. We knew it wasn't real, you know, just time after time. And Mrs. Moore would call her out in the middle of, in yeah. front of everybody and go, now, you know that's not the truth. And she would never, we'd never let her get by with it. But I would say, I would add to it. Now, you can talk as long as you want to talk. We'll, mm-hmm. Every one of us in this class will sit here and listen to you. But it has to be the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
the whole class will sit here and listen, but it has to be the right. truth. But we'd call her out. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. And just through the years, and she stayed in youth, we just watched her grow and grow and grow. And today, she's in church. I mean, a huge part of our church on the worship team. Solid. Solid. Good job. You know, and she does not do that anymore. She's grown into a lovely young woman. And she'd gotten to where the teachers were ready to kick her out of school. Mm-hmm. Because she had lied so much, she had started cutting, she had started, she, she was ruining her life yeah. because of the lies. And it's not okay to just let them do whatever they want to do. But on the flip side, you have to give them something else. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't just put them down and say, you're a big fat liar, get out of my way, I don't have time for you. Right. you you've got to say... You can't lie to me, but I will stand here and listen to you all night long if you'll tell me the truth. And kids have got to have that with their parents. They've got to have it with their grandparents. They've got to have it. They've got to have people that will believe in them. Maybe they did lie to you, but you cannot turn your back on them because they did lie to you. You've got to be willing to stay there with them and Mm -hmm. say, Yes, that was a lie. I know that was a lie. You know it. I know it was a lie. But let's talk and you tell me something that's true now. And make them think of something that was true. Because the devil has gotten them into a habit of lying. Mm -hmm. And like what I talked about a few weeks ago, they're around kids. You have to keep in mind. They're around kids that would rather lie than tell the truth every day of their lives. Mm-hmm. And there's spirits out there. And it's our job to teach them and train them. Again, that training word. That it's not okay to lie. It's not okay. It's your job as a parent to learn how to rebuke these spirits off of your children. But then to train them not to yield to these things. Right. It, we, we have jobs as parents not right. to just get frustrated and turn our backs on our kids and say, I'm so frustrated with you and lose your cool with them. No, we, we, we don't have the luxury of losing our cool with our kids. Right. I heard on the news the other day, some of you here may have heard it, that the number one time for abuse of kids is when report cards come out. Did anybody else hear that on the news here in town? Hmm. I almost flipped out because I thought, how horrible that is. There should be no abuse of kids, you know. And if if you're a parent and, you know, you don't have time for your kids, well, then you need to cut some things out. And I'm not against parents. I'm just trying to help parents figure out, because this is what happens. Today I was sitting there and I was praying about it some more, and I looked at the little pictures of the the newborns, and everybody wants that little bitty newborn. Oh, what a precious thing, that little bitty newborn. But then I pulled up two-year-olds, and I kid you not, every picture I saw of a two-year-old was screaming and stomping their feet, and and it was like the life changed when they got to be two. You know, they didn't even have a picture of a happy two-year-old. It was like I had to put in their happy two-year-old to find a happy two-year-old. You know, then you get to the nine and ten and eleven-year-olds, and they're all smiling again. Then you put in their fifteen-year-olds, and it's like fifteen-year-old arrested for this, sixteen-year-old arrested for this. You know, and it's like their lives go through cycles. But we as parents have to be the stable one. Right. We as parents have to be that stable one. And the reason that I can say that is because God puts the family just exactly like he does the ministers of a church. We have kids in our church, and we have to be the consistent stable one. Right. If they lose it, and they leave the church, and they get mad, and they stomp off, we still have to be consistent. If they call me names and cuss me and say all sorts of bad things about Keith, we still have to be the consistent one that they can come back here and give us a hug and say, you know what, we blew it, we yes. missed it, we still need this church. We've got them that do it all the time. That's the way you have to be as a parent. Right. So true. You have to be the one that they may get mad and yell at you and scream at you and say all the baddest things. But who is the parent? You have to be secure right. in who you are right. that you just stand there and you say, I know you love me anyway. Come here. That's give me a hug. You can't be moved. You cannot be moved. 
yeah. by that stuff. And that's the way I do the youth all the time. They, they'll be mad. They'll be doing I did it this whole weekend at Celebration Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you still contact me? I mean, just continuously, just one the other day. I mean, this youth, now you'll know who I'm talking about on this one too. Every time we had a class, it was like his goal to disrupt the class. <laughs> he would stand up. He would disrupt the class. I mean, it was like the greatest goal of his was to get everybody in their rile. And if you said it was black, he was going to say it was white. If you said it was red, he was going to say it was green. If you said whatever he said, he was going to argue. And one night I told him, I said, you are not staying in here tonight. It's a privilege for the kids to be in here. You're not staying in here. You and me are going. We're going into the main sanctuary. You're going to sit on the back row. You'll have to go to adult church. You're not a part of youth anymore. You will not be a part. And he's like, you can't make me leave. I said, watch me. I said, you see these two big guys right here? Rob, you get him and you get him. I said, let's pick him up. We're taking, we'll sit him right at the back of the auditorium over there. And I said, Rob, you sit with him right there. I mean, you think I'm kidding? I am not kidding. This happened every week for a year, probably, didn't it? Did it happen every week for a year? At least a year, probably five years. I'm a very patient person. I never lost my cool with him one time. One time. The kids would get upset with him. His teachers were upset with him. His parents were upset with him. Everybody was upset with him. He came to me probably a month ago, and he's crying. And he says, you're the only one that ever believed in me. You're the only one that wouldn't put up with me. He said, my life's turned around. He said, I'm doing good. He said, you remember that night you made me go sit in the other auditorium and you just told me it was not happening anymore? I said, oh, yeah. He said, nobody had ever done that to me before. He said, nobody had ever called me out before. And it made me think of this. Do you guys, Rob's there, these guys are here. We asked the kids one night, we said, I remember. I, tell them what Let's we see. said. I don't remember everything about it, but it was about the discipline mm-hmm. from the parents mm-hmm. um, and the mother or the dad. I don't remember exactly how it went down, but I remember that night. And it was pretty revealing. It was very revealing. I, I think I asked them something like this. Do you remember what we said? Say it. Get the microphone and come up here and say it if you remember what it was. We, uh, you had asked them about what they would like the most. Oh, yeah. And you said, and the kids, all of them, most all of them, said we wish our parents loved us enough to discipline us. That's it. Yeah. The kids said that. Amen. Yeah. We, they, thank you. They said they would know that their parents loved them if they would discipline them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are, all of our mouths just went. They said, we don't want them to be our friends. Right. Yep. We want them to be our parents. Amen. And... So one of them I asked, well, what will they do to you since I went and and this did happen. I went and got you out of jail. They said, oh, they'll say they're going to punish me, but then they'll need me to do something. And then by tomorrow it'll all be said and done and I won't be punished anymore. Did it happen? Mm -hmm. Yep. Kids want structure. Yes, they do. They want discipline. But it takes a strong parent it's more to just saying that he's saying, no, I don't want discipline. But he, he, he really does. <laughs> they say that when the parents are around, but when they're not, they really do. Now, discipline, listen to me carefully. If you beat your child, I'll beat you. Right. I got some big guys around. And if I hear that you beat your child, you're going to have to see me, buddy. Mama. You know, it's not okay. 
You know, I'm not talking about that you tap them with a wooden spoon on the hiney sometime. I'm talking about if you beat your child. There's never a reason for that. That means you are out of control. You know, and there's never an excuse for that. I'm talking about disciplining your children, and there's ways to do that. You know, like this particular one, the dad said he was going to take the car away, and he wasn't going to be able to go out with his girlfriend. And there's ways of disciplining, you know. And But kids don't want to just be let run and do everything that they want to do, you know. And that was this child's problem. And he has gotten on a better path today because of it. And so uh, we, we as parents have responsibilities. We, we cannot just let the devil lead and do whatever he wants to do. It's our job to take some responsibility in these kids' lives. And I'm going to make a broad statement here, and I think everybody knows it. Our cell phones and our iPods and our uh, iPads and our, you know, computers are not more important than our kids. Our TVs are not more important than our kids. And they're not to raise our kids. And we're not to be on them 24-7 to where we're neglecting what the kids are doing. Right. That's right. You can't do what's easy for us. You can't do just what's easy for you. you. You have to be disciplined yourself. If you're tired, so what? If your kid needs you more, then you need a couple hours sleep. You just can't get too busy or too selfish, you know, because a lot of times that's why you don't discipline. You're just, well, it's just easier to let them just go on, you know. And it's true. Now, um, can we get, well, he can stand up. Sky and Janet, come up here. Janet can sit down. Sky can stand up. He can handle it. (laughs) He can handle it. I'm going to let them come up for just a minute because I think you you might want to see another side, too, of this for just a minute. And then we'll... uh... So many times I've heard, you know, if you raise your kids up in church, you know, and stuff like that, you have to sit on both the pillows. Um, (laughs) So many people have said things like, you know, if you raise your kids up in church, you know, they're going to run and do things. You know... But like we've said, uh, I think it depends on a lot on the parents. I think had Kevin and Susan, and I'm going to make some bold statements here, known enough about faith and not worrying and believing for their kids, even in bringing them up, mm-hmm. their kids yeah. would have been different when they so had true. come up. Yeah. Okay? True. Um, I think there was a lot of things maybe they didn't know in bringing up their kids. And you cannot know things. And God is merciful in mm-hmm. doing some things, you know? Yes. Now... How long have we known each other? We don't even really want to tell it. Yeah. 37 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. So um, um, I knew them before they had their kids. Um, and so uh, when they first had their kids and stuff, you know, they were serving the Lord. But the difference with these guys is... They were being fed faith as much as we were being fed faith night and day. They were being fed words of faith things. And so then tell them some things that y'all were believing and how some things happened with raising your girls and how they turned out and what they're doing now. Yeah. Well, um, okay, so uh, Sky and I, yeah, we were on faith a lot. And... um, and traveling on the road, and um, I got pregnant with our first girl, and uh, Sky was still traveling some, and I stayed home with her, and uh, I discovered that with with her, with with uh, Jessica, my oldest, that um, I was learning as much as she was as a child, um, watching her faith shows like Gospel Bill and Super Kids and such, because I was still, still, even though I'd been in all Brother Hagen's exactly. meetings and, and such, I, I needed to hear some of that elementary level faith Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. And I had been raised in the church, but I was so enamored with the fullness of the Spirit, being filled with the Holy Ghost, you mean the greater one actually lives in me, you know? And then, of course, when... Jessica got older and she was filled with the spirit. 
I had another filled with a spirit person right here that I'm responsible for. And um, it was quite an awesome thing to realize that. And so I, I respected God in her. And, and, of course, when Jackie was born, the same thing. But see, that's, that's something that's very, very, very vitally important. Did you guys get that? Yes. See, she, she was honoring, I'm using a different word than she is, she was honoring the fact that now Jessica can hear from the Lord for herself. Absolutely. And recognizing Absolutely. that. And that's that's a difference than a lot of parents trying to smother their kids and trying to hear from God for them. Mm -hmm. There comes a point in time where you do train them and you Mm -hmm. do teach them. Mm -hmm. But at some point in time, you've got to start seeing that they, too, can hear from the Lord. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Uh, uh, An example of hearing from the Lord, uh, Jessica, which graduated from high school, in in Branson and um, was headed up to Missouri State, I think. She went to orientation and came back crying all the way home and said, Mom, this is not it. It's not it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but it's not it. I don't know. And I said, well, you're not doing anything until you know, until we hear from God. You're not doing anything. Well, it was, what, two months later, things opened up, and she was in, involved in a ministry where I wasn't planning my daughter to be, but... <laughs> they're not just my girls. They're not our girls. They're God's girls. Right. And God has imparted into them, given them graces and talents and abilities. And we've endeavored to and always encourage those gifts in them and encourage them to volunteer at the church. That's all I've ever known is volunteering at the church and doing whatever God wants you to do. But um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Jackie? Jacqueline, um, the same thing. They're both now, you know, worship leaders in their churches and serving the Lord and, and married and have children now. And they're raising their kids up in the same values, the same teaching. God is faithful. And I, I encourage families that um, we get asked a lot uh, here, you know, well, how's, how's the youth group? How's the children's ministry? We're thinking about going to that church maybe. What do you, how is it? Well, you know, it's not really our job as parents to, to check out the youth group and the children's group because if God calls you to that church, he called your children there too. Right. He knows you got kids. Yes. And, and it was a major step for us to come to Branson even coming out of, we came out of a huge, awesome youth group. Jessica, she was in a great high school and geared. She just was all primed to be this star in the musicals at school. And the girls came home to a sign in the yard. The house had been sold from church camp and we're going to Branson. God told us to go to Branson. Well, God and somebody else told us to go to Branson. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't thank them enough. But yeah, it was a major step. But God made up for it. He made up for it with Jessica. I mean, she just settled right into that that, uh, high school. And, um, you know, Tom mentioned how you have to treat your kids differently. With Jessica, it seemed right to let her go ahead and she missed some Friday night services because she was involved with the musicals at school and that it seemed right and it was right then with Jacqueline Jackie said no we had two different completely different high school experiences Jackie was like mom you didn't let me do anything at school you said you're at church you're there every Friday you're there every Thursday you're there every Wednesday I don't know what, what you all, I don't know but that was that what was Jackie you. needed. And she, that's needed what she needed to be in you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I'll tell off on her. Oh, I remember, oh, I'm going to no. tell off on, on Jackie, their daughter. And Dave was sitting in this chair the last time we did this, right? Yeah. Um, I had both their daughter and Dave's daughter in youth one night. And um, this is how we teach them to handle things for themselves in youth. And so they came in one night. Their best friends, Dave's daughter and Jackie's daughter, were at the time. But they came in one night, and I could have cared less what the situation was. I never got into the middle of the situations, I, you know, because it's useless, you know. And, but they were mad at each other, and they weren't <laughs> speaking to each other, you know, the best friends. You know best friends have these things, right? And I said, you're not bringing that into the youth group. Get out there. Sit out there till you figure it out. You sort it out. You, you apologize. You hug each other. You can come in. And they did. 
And that's the way they grew up is they knew that they couldn't care. It's like, don't go to sleep, husbands and wives, with this stuff. You figure it out. You sort it out. You fix it. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You fix this. And, and don't just play with it for four hours. You get out there, you fix this. You have 15 minutes to fix this, then you come in here. If you're not fixed, I'm coming out there and I'm going to fix it. And they knew I meant it. And they got it fixed. And they stayed best friends forever. They're still best friends. Absolutely. And so, you know, we don't play with these things. You don't let the devil into your lives. And you train them that way, you know. And so, you know, and one thing uh, you all were talking about, Speaking over your children and such, you know, my girls, I, I, they were always pretty good growing up and stuff. Of course, everyone, all the kids act out and stuff. But I just remember the Lord helped me so much in encouraging my girls that their, that behavior is not you. That's not the real you. That's it. That's good. The real you, the real you loves God. The real you is, is full of the life of That's God. It. The real you wants to do great things for God and the real you loves people and the real you wants to do things for God and have great things and just be happy. How about being happy? The real you wants to be happy. That's it. So, you know, that's exactly that, right. That the Lord helped me so much. You know that. I do know that. <laughs> I do know that. You could tell my stories. <laughs> no, he did. He, uh, you know, and, um, uh, uh, you both serve the Lord continuously. They never laid off one minute of serving God. There's no. a lot of people that have thought, you know, uh, I have to put my children first. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen that so much, you know, mm-hmm. that my mm-hmm. children come first. Yes. I can't keep God first. You know, I have to do this with my kids first. And we've also seen those very children through the years yeah. go off in the wrong direction. Yeah. You yeah. want to say anything? Well, I think. Exactly what you were just saying right there. Uh, when you were talking about us staying in the ministry, the mm-hmm. kids were right there with us. Right there with Always, you. Always, yes. They went to all the meetings. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, you know, all the camp meetings. Yeah. You know, Holy Ghost meetings when you guys were there. <laughs> they did. You know, and, uh, uh, well, they're reaping the benefits of it today. Yes. Right. And they received not just uh, just sitting there in service. But I expected them to pay attention. Yeah. As if they're old enough to sit there, they can they can pay attention. They don't have to be playing games and such. And I would encourage them to t- require them to take notes. And they took good notes for little girls. I mean, Brother Hagen said yada yada yada, you know. And they took good notes. But more than anything, they're in those services where that anointing is. Think about that. That's it. Those that impartations going into them. They don't even know their little heads. They're not com- comprehending my little head, <laughs> along with them, not comprehending a whole lot. But oh, their little spirits are being opened wide, and, and things are being put into them. With, we're still going to find out years to come what it's all true. is in them. Sure. It's true. Yeah. It's yeah. true. So. In saying all these things, I think we've gone from all the ends of the spectrum a little bit tonight. It's it's not about being perfect with your kids. Right. Right. Because I know both of these guys very, very well. And I know they've both made mistakes. We've made mistakes. We made mistakes in youth all the time. They made mistakes. They made mistakes. It's about not pretending with your kids. It's about being real with your kids. It's about letting them know you love the Lord and you love them. Mm -hmm. And it's about taking steps forward. And it's the same thing to me. It would be the same thing in your marriage. It would be the same thing with your family. It would be the same thing in all the areas of your life. You've got to keep things consistently real with them. And if we'll do this with the people that we love, I think we'll begin to see different results, you know, with the people that are surrounding us and stuff. And if we have any youth that are watching, I know there's people watching all over the globe tonight. And if we have youth that are watching or if we have uh, young people that are watching, uh, I encourage you, get hooked in someplace with a church that has youth groups. Get hooked in with people that love you and care about you because it won't always be that the decision that your parents made for you is going to be your decision. You have to make a decision for yourself at some point in your life. You have to make that decision because you, okay, I'm going to say this and I think you'll understand what I'm saying. The abortion thing. Why is abortion so bad? 
Because that is not that woman that's getting killed. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is another person that is getting killed. You know, it's a totally different person that's getting killed. And so if if it's a totally different person, then that other person is another being with another call, yes. with another gift, yes. with another anointing, yes. with another grace, with other abilities. And that way, they're going to have different things than you're going to have as a mother, as a father. They are from you, but they should be able to take the gifts and graces that the both of you have and be better than the yes. both of you. Yes. And be able to do things better than the both of you. Not just exactly the same as you, but... I, Brother Hagen used to tell Keith and I this all the time, and I think it applies. I feel like we are his kids, and he would tell us all the time, you guys, if you don't do better than I did, I'm going to kick you in the butt, <laughs> you know, and that's the way we should feel about our kids. Not that they do what we did, but they do better than what we did, but we don't call what it is. We let God do it and lift them up higher than what we are, and he can do that for us if we'll let him do it instead of us trying to do it. And that's the way we feel about these guys. They do so much better than I do all the time. I turn it over to them. You don't hear me doing half the things that they do. The, Rob, these guys, they, they do an outstanding job. And, and youth is going on gangbusters. And what she didn't tell you is that her daughter and son-in-law are the ones that are doing youth now in Branson, you know. And so she was with me from the very beginning and they're doing an outstanding job there. And, you know, and from the, yeah, from the very beginning. And I trust them, you know, and um, because they've they have let them learn how to hear from God. And there's nothing more valuable in your children's lives than the Holy Spirit in them and you letting them learn how to hear from God. How many in here ever made a mistake hearing from God? And your kids are going to make mistakes hearing from God. But it's better that they make them when they're young and you help them, let them see that they made a mistake and they grow. And as they grow, then they won't make one a huge mistake marrying the wrong person or a huge mistake, you know, going to the wrong college or, or a huge mistake doing the wrong things, you know. But if they can make them when they're 10, that's so much better than making them when they're 20. That's right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Thank you guys i think that the lord has helped has he helped anybody in here tonight grandparents do it with your kids let them encourage them to hear from god don't just tell them what to do don't stand over your daughter-in-law and tell her what to do stand stand there and pray that she'll hear from god parents do the same thing you know with your kids i mean it's time that we trust the holy spirit in our family and and let him lead them in in what they should say and do let's stand up and pray that.